0: Welcome to Moments to Ponder. This podcast is designed to help you spend a few moments in God's Word, breathe, and take away something to ponder. I'm Betsy Marvin, and I'm grateful for the few moments we have together to ponder the book of Esther. This is Episode 69. But after Xerxes' anger had subsided, he began thinking about Vashti and what she had done and the decree he had made. So his personal attendants suggested, let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. Hege, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. After that, the young woman who most pleases the king will be made queen instead of Vashti. This advice was very appealing to the king, so he put the plan into effect. At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, the son of Yair. And he was from the tribe of Benjamin, and was a descendant of Kesh and Shemi. His family had been among those who, with King Jehoiachin of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Hege's care. Hege was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids especially chosen from the king's palace and he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Every day, Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments, six months of oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to take from the harem. That evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms and the next morning she was brought to the second harem, where the king's wives lived. There she would be under the care of Sheheshesh, the king's eunuch in charge of concubines. She would never go to the king again, unless he had especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. Esther was the daughter of Abihayil, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin, Esther. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Hege, the eunuch in charge of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in the early winter of the seventh year of his reign and the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and officials, declaring a public holiday for the provinces and giving generous gifts to everyone. Even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. She was still following Mordecai's directions just as she did when she lived in his home. Esther 2 1 through 20 This section of verses covering more than a year of time has always fascinated me first the rounding up of women then the year-long beauty treatments all for one night with the king i've often thought of it a bit like cinderella meets miss universe but it was so different than a fairy tale or beauty pageant different than we can even imagine honestly It was probably a lot like The Bachelor. When a lonely king was advised to take a new queen, they went far and wide bringing together women of all different nationalities from the 127 provinces he ruled. It would have been an interesting place of various language and skin colors, food choices and cultures. Scholars estimate that there were around 400 women. Before any woman was brought to the king, she underwent one year of beauty treatments. A a year. Think about that. There are very few things we take a year to plan for anymore. But a wedding is definitely one of them. It takes time to put all the pieces in place, get the right dress, plan the right food, and get the invitation sent. And it's all in preparation for one day. This was a lot like that. The Persians cared a lot about hygiene and looks, so any skin issues had to be rectified before the woman could go with the king. We're told that Hege addressed skin care first with oils, six months of olive oil, cassis oil, myrrh oil, and honey to moisturize, heal, disinfect, and promote uplifting emotions. He dealt with sunburn and wrinkles, windburn and any sores or skin issues. I mean, they did live in a dry, hot, windy climate. Several of the oils in Esther's time had disinfectant and antifungal properties, so every young woman underwent a thorough oil exfoliation, disorders were noted, and after six months of basic skin health care, Haggai's attendants incorporated oils and spices, fragrances, that polished or enhanced each girl's natural beauty. As I researched these beauty practices, I was amazed at how many they used and all that they knew about lotions and scents and what was needed to achieve a desired result. A year of spa treatments, being well-fed and dressed, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? But it's important to note that once in a harem, always in a harem. Thus, none of these young women would ever return home, even if they never visited the king. According to the historical account, when a woman went into the king, she became his wife. Thus, every woman who was with the king, now being a wife, didn't return to the harem where they had been living, but became a part of a second harem of wives or concubines as they were called. The two harems were kept separate, Whether this was due to the children that may have resulted, or different freedoms associated with their stations, or just to keep all the ladies straight, isn't clear. But in all of this, 400 women all going through treatments, as well as those that may have lived there before, Esther stands out to Hege, and she is given seven servants and the penthouse suite. What was it about her? Besides her beauty, all the women were beautiful, but somehow Esther impressed him, and he treats her kindly. As I read between the lines here, I get the impression that Esther was kind as well, and humble, a woman of character, and I also get the impression that she was teachable. It's good to know that in Persia during this time, women had high value, Women could own businesses. They had a voice of their own in their lives. They were seen as an equal part of society, which seems kind of wild for this time period, but it's true. Even though King Xerxes had passed his law about husbands having the rule of their homes, women did have value. So when I say that Esther is teachable, I don't mean that she was a pushover or a mouse. I mean that she learned how to use her voice and when to learn. It can be so hard for someone who has a strong personality or is a leader to be teachable. To admit that there is more to learn or acknowledge that someone else may know better how to do something. It's humbling, but it's wise. Esther listened to her cousin Mordecai and the eunuch Haggai to learn how to best navigate this situation. She was willing to bide her time, take advice, And in all of that, she didn't lose her sweet spirit as she underwent her year of preparation. It had been four years since Vashti. And in the month of December or January of 479 or 478 BC, it is Esther's turn to visit the king. One night with the man that held her future in his hand. She would become a wife. She would move to a new home the next day, and she may never see the king again. Yet the king favors her. He basically offers her the rose, and he crowns her queen, throwing her a banquet in celebration. This humble Jewish girl has become a queen. So how can we apply this story that is so foreign to our own? there are a couple things that stand out to me. I've already mentioned being teachable and the teachable spirit that Esther seemed to have. But the one I'd like to chat about with you for just a few more moments is timing. So many things in life depend on timing, don't they? In relationships, knowing when to have a hard conversation and when to keep your own counsel is important. And knowing when to expedite information helps us be heard, but also helps us listen. In a world of social media posts and the constant barrage of people speaking their minds, there's something to be said about waiting to speak, earning the right to be heard, and realizing that we don't have to share everything all the time. Mordecai tells Esther not to speak of her nationality, and this might seem a bit secretive or underhanded, but remember, being a Jew wouldn't have necessarily affected her treatments. Mordecai seems to know that now is not the time to reveal her heritage. This is a small hint of God at work for a future time. So Esther waits. God waits. Esther trusted Mordecai. He checked on her constantly, and this must have been such an anchor for her as she navigated this new harem community. Mordecai didn't abandon Esther. Even in a foreign place with strange rules and strong expectations, he remained close at hand. God hasn't abandoned you either. Even when the circumstances just might feel otherwise. He is always near. Loving you as only a Heavenly Father can. We can trust that God is at work and He knows the timing of our lives even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. For Esther, God is putting her into a place that will be needed for the future of her people. She doesn't know that yet, but God does. So let me ask you, What might God be doing in your life right now that is putting pieces in place for your future? May you know that God is at work, even if you don't see it. And may you be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. And may you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Amen.